Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Good morning, church family. How are we all doing today? Enjoying this time of year, I hope. I felt like last night, I don't know if anyone else is feeling this, but it feels like fall is officially upon us with all its glory. Time to uh, put on the sweatshirt, light up the fire, break out the uh, whatever it is we enjoy eating, pumpkin bread or apple crisp, and and watch God do what he does in our world around us. And what a great time we talked. As Wes mentioned, who are we as a people? We're a praise be community. And we've shared before, when God starts to turn the trees green, I mean uh, gold, from green, green to gold, it, it's like, and the leaves start to fall, it's a neat picture of, as the leaves fall, how his blessings fall on us, and they're innumerable. You just can't count them. You break them up, and there's more coming, and um, just praise God for, for all that he's done for us. I hope that this week will be that for you, and has been, and we are, as I thought, also, it may be helpful to you to share a couple worship resources. We talked about worship last week that have been helpful for me. We'll go ahead and put these up on the screen. That He Has Made Me Glad is a book by Ben Peterson, which really captures what to look like to live a life of joyful worship. We know receiving the gospel, what God has done for us in Christ, um, our eternal destiny is secure, but that leads us into a, a daily life of gratitude and joy, and he fleshes out what that looks like in such a, a good way and helpful way. It's often, or it's, it's said, um, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him or when we're enjoying him and his good gifts, and another person, the Westminster Catechism says the chief end of humankind is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. We could add by enjoying him forever, and Ben really fleshes out. This is what it it looks like to, to live this out. Another book is this uh, God of All Things by Andrew Wilson. Andrew's a pastor over in London and a really creative thinker, writer, and he has taken 15 ordinary things that we have in our everyday life from the Old Testament, so things like dust, earthquakes, pigs, tools, rainbows, donkeys, sun, and he writes on them in a way that you see it in a way you hadn't before, where God puts the secular or the sacred into the, these things that are ordinary and, and just ignite worship. So he takes 15 things from the Old Testament and 15 things from the New Testament. And um, really good Sabbath book. If the time that you have just to stop and think about life, it, it just, the thought he gives you stays with you for the rest of the week and inspires worship. And then this last one is I Am Not But I Know I Am by Louis Giglio. A great book where... Uh, God leads us into worship, especially in those times of transition. And if you're in a season of of transition in your life, it can be scary, but it's also, those are the times God often shows up in the biggest way. And um, this is that story, remember Moses, when God called him to lead Israel, and Moses said, I am not a speaker. Like, (laughs) you want me to go to Pharaoh? I am not. And what did God say? I am. Um, He gave him that name that wherever we are insufficient, God is more than sufficient in meeting our needs and, and leads to worship. And so, great book that uh, helps us see our part in his story and, and live that out with confidence and joy. All right, 
Well, a couple weeks ago, I had the opportunity to join two friends and my brother in a golf event, which was a scramble. So normally in those events, you pick an order of golfers. So one, two, three, four, and then you just run with that order the rest of the day just to keep the ducks in a row. Well, my brother, was Rob, was golfing late in the order. But when we came to this green, this guy walks right up onto the green, skips the order, jumps the order that we had been in, lines up this putt, and just drains this thing. I mean, it was a 30-foot-plus putt. It was breaking like or turning like the uh, first turn at the Indy 500, and he just clunk, clunk, drains it. We're like, what, what was that? And he said, I was seeing something. I was seeing something. He was seeing the line. When he walked on there, he just he felt it. He, he was seeing something. And, and when he saw something, what effect did it have on him? Confidence. To step up, action, drain the putt, which might have led us to a victory, which it did not. But, hey. <laughs> so in the realm of life, in our spiritual life, the truth that God has given us here today helps us to see something that when we see this, it leads to confident, passionate action. And it's five realities around who we are as the people of God that, uh, that when we see it through the word of God, it, it helps us to live it out, live out our calling. And we talk about living with a renewed passion to be who he called us to be. So that's where we're going today. Excited to share these five realities that we, we want to see. So throughout this message, the rhetorical question I'll keep asking is, are you seeing it? Are you seeing it? Because when we see it, it changes how we live. So if you would join me in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, we see our first reality uh, come into view there. In verse 15, he says, for this reason. So looking back at that praise prayer that, that he's just prayed, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus. Now we know this is, uh, our faith in the Lord Jesus is everything. When Jesus was with us, this was really, he kept asking, do you believe in me? Do you believe in me? Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? I am who I am. And today if you're here and um, you haven't placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that's the main thing. That's, and invite you into that today. But here he's seeing this in these this church in Ephesus, and he's saying, okay, ever since I heard about your faith and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And so the first reality for us to see today, to be clear on, is, is our aim or our goal, which is faith and love. I love the way Paul sums it up. What's the main thing? You know, in life, and where is God, as you think about your own life, where is God at work in your life today? Through the circumstances and the events, what is God seeking to do in you and through you? It's grow in faith in him, trust him, and to uh, live out the love that he has for you, sharing that with, with those around us. Faith, trusting the Lord as our savior, but also trusting him as our sustainer to carry the moment. And you know the circumstances of life are really just that platform where God sets up opportunities for us to trust him into the unknown and to find him faithful, amen, where, where he is just trustworthy. We can trust him. Trust me with all your heart. And he, he shows up. But then 
How does faith play out in our everyday life? The, the primary mark of a faith that is true and that is, act, and that is active is it's love. Throughout Scripture, you see this again and again and again. If we truly believe, if we, we truly trust Christ, it leads us into that life of love. Galatians 5 verse 6 says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So this is helpful, isn't it? Seeing the big picture. Where is God at work? What's he calling us to do? It's to, to grow in our faith and our love. And by the way, this is what we celebrate in each other too. As Paul celebrates with this with this church, he's raising the value of these things. Think about parenting too. When we celebrate what our kids do, like, you know, score the touchdown or the soccer goal, we get up off that you know, lawn chair and we're celebrating. What's it communicate to the kid? That matters. And, and so the kid starts chasing it. Parenting, you know, one of the parenting things, of, of all the things we celebrate in the lives of our kids, when we see them exercising faith and love, that, that ought to get us up off our feet, right? Celebrate those moments. But it, with each other, too to encourage each other and, and celebrate. And so the question today, um, am I following him with a growing faith, the faith of a child, and am I seeking to grow in living out a sacrificial love? Am I seeing that? Is that the goal? And so first, reality to see clearly is our aim, our goal. One of the questions that may come to mind is, how do we grow in faith and love? And I'll give five quick uh, ways that God has given us to do this, and I'll, I'll put P at the start of all of them to maybe help us remember, but first is practical teaching. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God and then um, practicing it, so that's what we do here. It's what we do in our classes, so practical teaching. Second is providential relationships, just to know God is at work in the relationships that He puts around us. We um, Small groups, the church family we're a part of, our, our different relationships as we do life. It's neat to think that I know for many of us, you have that one person that drives you crazy. You're like, why is this person in my life? Do you know why? <laughs> so that it's to practice love. It's why God has left us all undone. We all have areas to grow, and we, we get on each other's nerves. Why? How else would we practice love and uh, display his glory in that way? So faith and love. And then the third is uh, providential relationships. The third is uh, private disciplines, where God calls us to um, order our life in a way that helps us walk with him, the rule of life. So we have those slow down moments, you know, at the start of the day where we meet daily with him. And, and throughout the day, the, uh, back in the day, the monks would do this seven times a day. But some people call it just slowing to, uh, to reconnect with him throughout the day and through his word, through, through prayer, daily disciplines. The fourth is the uh, personal ministry. So this is where we serve and we get out, and as we get out and start serving him, we see our faith grows as he provides, and then it's a chance to exercise our, our faith. And then the fifth one is one that's not so fun, but it's painful trials. We don't determine when these come and, and the extent of them, but one thing we do know is God has every, in every trial a purpose to grow our faith and expand our love or our compassion. As we hurt at another level, we're able to help at another level somebody going through what they're going through. So as I was reading this verse, to a quick side note, um, as one of your pastors, just so you know kind of what's going through my head, and, and I try to pray for everyone in our church family every week, but randomly God brings you to mind, and it's kind of like watching a 
just the slideshow that in my head as you come to mind, it's a celebration moment. Lord, thank you for this person, this person, this family, where Paul says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering in my, you in my prayers. Um, and it happened this week in a very vivid way that doesn't normally happen. And that just as I was thinking about this family, they show up. It was, I was Tuesday afternoon after uh, working out at the DAC, I was walking up the stairs and the Secula family came to mind. The family that was up here a couple weeks ago with uh, David, Jade, and Micah, the son they adopted from China. And I was just thanking the Lord for them. And um, if you know David and Jade, they spend their lives loving people. And their faith is just seen in that. And I was um, like, Lord, just thank you for letting them be part of our church family. I walk out the door of the DAC. They're in, stepping out on Wayne Street. And who is walking towards me on a family walk? Their whole family. Their two dogs. And Micah was out in front leading the way. But it was so cool just to run up and say, you guys, I was just thanking the Lord for you, and I get to thank you now in person. <laughs> but I, I just share that with you as a church family. One more story um, that's been so neat, just praise God for the faith and love in motion, was this past uh, week we were praying for Ann McIntyre, who had one of our widows who had hip surgery, and she's back in the hospital. We're praying for just God's healing grace over her now. But uh, from the moment she found out she needed that hip replacement, her small group, led by Joe and Karen Johansson, was a step ahead and meeting needs. And I went to visit with her one day, and she said, they know they're meeting my needs even before I know what I need. A walker was sitting right there that one of them had provided. Um, Larry and Eva brought a wheelchair um, that she would need. Frank and Joe show up one day, and they build a uh, ramp in her garage to help her get up the stairs and so she can access that easily as she recovers and meals and just the love poured out and it was just like okay here's a small group that's seeing it are you seeing it they're seeing it faith and love is is what God calls us to as his as his people all right the second reality to see clearly we we see in verse 17 this is the request the first request that Paul has for them, as he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Literally, that last phrase is so that you may, um, in the, in the not full knowledge of, of who God is. So what is, what is uh, the main thing here? What's Paul asking for? The second reality that we see here is our treasure, which is to know him. What Paul's asking is that these people would, that God through his spirit, the Holy Spirit, the, one of his ministries to us is help us understand who God is through his word, but in a way that fills in the knowledge gap that we have in terms of truly knowing God. Now, will there ever be a day the side of heaven that we fully know all there is to know about God? And the answer is, no, never. We will always be learning of him. And yet, God leads us into a deeper understanding of him. And the word wisdom and revelation carries the idea of understanding um, the mystery of who he is coming to us through Christ and what Christ did for us in ways that grows our affection for him. You know? Just for, so again, I, as I was reflecting on this, I was reminded, as we come to the Word of God, it's not to learn about a subject, theology, it's to know a person. 
and to fall deeper in love with that person. And that's what Paul's praying for. And this is our treasure, isn't it? To think every day is a new, uh, never been to this day before, so that we might learn more about our God and fall deeper in love with him through the circumstances of this day. That's the main thing. And isn't that awesome just to think about and, and just to keep in view that, all right, today as I go out into my everyday life, it's not about surviving. If I'm his kid, I'm going to survive. That's good. It's not about getting it all done. We're going to get done what needs to get done. It's about just getting to know him and enjoying him and worshiping him and walking with him and, and uh, stepping into also what he's called us to do. So that's the main thing that he's praying for. This is our, our treasure. And then he, uh, he moves to the third reality to see, which is so good. It's, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So what he's praying for here is, or the third reality is our hope, and it's God's desire that as we do life, that we do it with um, a heart that is full of hope as we look to the future. Hope is um, faith looking towards the future, and here he's, he's saying, I, I pray that you will see the beautiful reality that, that God has planned for you as his people. The hope of uh, one day being with Christ is our, our ultimate hope of being in a perf- with a perfect God in a perfect place with the perfect people and finally being like Christ and just enjoying all that he created us to enjoy with him. But that is to be what, what uh, he's saying, are you seeing it? Um, so important as we live here in this world where it's often a hope-depleted atmosphere, isn't it? As you go throughout your life, despair, darkness, all these things, and here God is um, calling us to look up. To, to live with hope. I love the, uh, the way that Ben Patterson says it here. So he describes, stokes our hope and, and looks towards heaven. He says, there are times I feel the deep sadness just before I fall asleep at night. I can hear the gentle breathing of the woman I love beside me. I think of the four wonderful young adults we so respect and delight in. I think of the beautiful, exceptional college I serve at, all its students, staff, and faculty. I think of friends and, and uh, burritos and New York strip steaks and music. Life is excruciate, excruciatingly good. And the more deeply I appreciate it, the sadder I feel as I see it slipping away. Do you feel that at times? I think even the fall season, I, I feel that. The autumn, you know, and this hanging on of these September days where the sun just kisses you and the leaves turn beautiful and it's just like you want to hang on to it. You feel winter coming, and, but we can't. It, it's slipping through. He says, uh, it's slipping away. I can't hold on to these things. I can only receive them with gratitude and someday release them, hopefully with the same gratitude. But whether grateful or not, I will release them. I will die. Either this life is an absurdly absurdity of incomprehensible proportions or it, it is in the care of a loving God who pledged himself to us in the resurrection of Jesus and promises us the hope of heaven. I believe that this hope is the deepest longing in every human heart. It is the desire for our true home, the home that cannot fade, the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. This is the hope 
or this hope is the source of our deepest joy, the reality that makes us fundamentally sound amidst ever-changing circumstances. And then he he, uh, shares, he says, one day I will arrive at the strangest of destinations that we call death. And as a Christian, God uses the word falling asleep. It's, It's where we just fall asleep tired after a good day to wake up to a resurrection morning. Another image God uses of, of our death as a Christian is that of collapsing a tent. And I was thinking about, we've got a group of 16 guys out on a man trip, uh, fathers with their sons calling them up to manhood in Christ and uh, down in Kentucky somewhere. And I, I was thinking about camping. You know, one of my favorite parts of camping is coming home to home sweet home collapsing that tent, <laughs> and it's fun to be out there, but man, and that steak dinner when you get home or, or whatever, and um, I love this picture of, of, he says, when we arrive home, um, I will be welcomed into a city that has long awaited my coming. I will be congratulated and expanded and glorified and healed and led into that great story which no one on earth has read which goes on forever and ever, in in which every chapter is better than the one before. All that came before was just the title page, joy, inexpressible joy. Guys, there's a a part of this text that could be a whole other sermon, and it's tough to wrap our minds around, but it's the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. When he says inheritance, he's not talking about our inheritance. It's God talking about his inheritance, which is us. You are his inheritance. Jesus followers. He he saved you. He's recreating you to reflect his glory so that you might know him with an intimacy that marriage is just a shadow of. Why did God create marriage? Genesis 2, 3, Ephesians 5 tells us it's a picture of Christ in the church. Often, I I think the best moment of my day, life, back when I was a kid, it was like, ah, it's going wrong. But right now, you know what it is? A quiet evening with my wife. I love that. Sipping coffee in the morning, we have our chair time together and connecting with her. And I I love that girl. And the more life passes, the more I just want to be with her. And I don't care what we do, where we're at, if I'm with her, this is but a shadow of what God's prepared for us as we enter into His presence with an intimacy and a love. This is our hope. Mm. What a gift. And, and when we see it, man, it starts to, it starts to change things. Third, fourth reality we see is there in verse uh, 19 where he says, okay, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart would be open not only to the hope that, that you've been given, but to his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the right, at the right hand of, in the heavenly realms. So we have both the resurrection and now the ascension of Christ. Um, He's seated in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in the age to come. 
And so the fourth reality that, that God is inviting us to see clearly is not only our hope, but our power that's available for us who believe. What God does here in this text is take, through Paul, take four Greek words that can all be translated power, but unique aspects of power, and stack them on top of one another. And together, these four words are communicating, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, there is an enormous power that is available to you. It's the power of the resurrection. It's the power of the one who, who created all this, sustains all this, hung these stars in the sky, orders these galaxies. The power of the one who can quiet that thunderstorm that, that just rattles our chandeliers. It's the one who can, you know, uh, still the earthquake, that can just snuff out a volcano. The power of the one who, who, who is uh, big enough to help us check the evil within us. Um, deliver us from the bondage to, to our sins and our addictions and help us want him and choose him and follow him. The power of the one who is big enough to help us stand and stem the tide of evil where it is unleashing around us in our culture. This power, the power of the one who, who enables us to live out whatever it is, the calling that he's put on your life. I see some college students here and I think, man, you're looking at your, the start of your journey and, and are you gonna have enough Oh, yeah, if you are in Christ, this power, he's saying, guys, if you see this, if you see this, what's it going to do? Mm. Fill us with confidence to step up and live out whatever it is that God has called us to live out. Love like him to our last breath. Are you seeing it? Paul is, is praying. And then the last thing he prays, the last reality, is there in verse 22, 23, where he says, and God placed all things under his feet, under Jesus' feet. So this is the supremacy of Christ. And appointed him, and it's literally gave him to the church. Appointed him to be head, and that word head is authority or ruler over everything for the church. Which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And so the fifth reality to see today is, who are we, you guys, is his as the followers of Jesus, who are we? And that sweet, sweet reality is we are the body of Christ. It's who we are. We are the body of Christ. I love the way he wraps it up where he says, who, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So what's that mean? It means this. To be the fullness of Christ as his church is, is to be so much like him that when people look at us, as we do life together and you live out your individual life, we live out our corporate life, they, they think, they, they get an accurate picture of who Jesus is so that through the church we might fill everything in every way, meaning God's redemptive plan on planet earth today is his church. As we allow him to, to change us um, through faith and through his word and we follow him by faith and live out his love, he is... It is the church of Jesus Christ that has the power to bring, bring in his redemptive plan and uh, take us right into the, the end time. Am I seeing it is the question. I love the picture here of, of Christ who being our head. It says he is, um, he is over all things. He's supreme, his supremacy. He is head over everything 
for the church, so that's his centrality. And then he promises to be with us as we are his body, and that's our sufficiency in Christ. Several implications as we think about this, as we see it, especially being the body of Christ. The first is radical courage. Okay, if I'm really seeing this, this power that's available, the hope we have, the aim, our treasure to know him, but then this reality that, that we're his body, what kind of courage does that infuse in us to go do what he's called us to do as, we, as we're his presence here? And can you feel that? It's like, this is radical courage. Can you imagine what these believers in first century Ephesus must have been thinking? Ephesus was a town of 250,000 people. They're a minority in every way, numerically, financially. Uh, it's like, and they're an unpopular minority because they were against idolatry. Idolatry was the main economy driving this culture. If you were to ask this church, hey, who are you guys? They probably would have thought, not much compared to all that's going on. But what's Paul doing here? Helping them see the reality. Who are you guys? We are the body of Christ. And he's going to fill us so that we can do what he's called us to do here. Where is Ephesus today? Remember asking, like, when I started, where's Ephesus? That big city that was so, where, where's it at? It's gone. Where's the church today? It's alive and well, thriving, rolling on. Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will build my church. It's reality. Radical courage. Second, as we understand or see this uh, clearly, who we are as the body of Christ is ferocious focus on him as our leader. The church of Jesus Christ, guys, uh, he is everything. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, Christ-centered, but the minute a church becomes about anything other than Jesus Christ, it starts to die. Game, set, match. The minute it becomes about a certain pastor or a certain, pick your thing, program or whatever that church is doing. And it changes how we see other churches too, doesn't it? We are his body, all of us. If it's a gospel preaching church, they're our brothers and sisters and we are as much for them as we are for us within our own community. uh, Yesterday morning I was working out and uh, Roger uh, Stroop, the pastor at Calvary Chapel out on 36 came in. And uh, I'm like, Roger! And uh, said, forgive me, I'm hopped up on this truth, but your church matters just as much to me as our church matters. And I'm praying for you, and we're supporting you, and if you need anything, let me know, because I've seen it. We're his body. And Northview, that's just embarked on this building project to be a welcoming place um, for our community and to see souls saved. Man, when we drive by their place, we're praying for them. Lord, provide for them and help them, bless them. And um, as we drive down 36, the Christian church right in town, their pastor, Ron Oren, went to Florida, um, called to Florida a couple months ago. And so as I drive by, I'm praying, Lord, provide a pastor for them that will love them and care for them and lead that church to thrive. Why? Because we're his body. It's the body of Christ. We're not competing, we're cooperating. In fact, we're more than cooperating, we're loving them, right? Because they're him. The body of Christ, it's who we are. The, uh, and then third implication is great expectation. If we are the body of Christ, 
what is God going to do? What might happen if we say, lead us, guide us, your will be done in this time and place through, through our body? All of me offer you, Lord, and, and we all live like that. What might God do? This image that keeps coming to my mind is of a sailboat. Imagine, um, okay, Mission Impossible. You get this little um, thing on your phone. You've been chosen for Mission Impossible. Drive to Lake Michigan, and you'll see a sailboat. And so you do this afternoon. We've got to be there by 4 o'clock. We jump in the car. We drive to Lake Michigan. We get in this sailboat, and then it just says, wait on the shores. And hoist the sail and wait. We're like, okay. And then we uh, check the weather, and we're like, oh, baby. At 5 o'clock, there's forecasted a 60-mile-an-hour wind that's going to come rolling through and take us off to our voyage. Buckle up. Put on the life preserver. People get ready. Let's go. There's almost a sense of that, isn't there? As we truly understand, we are here by sovereign providential purpose in this time and place not to play temporary games but to be the body of Christ the redemptive presence of Jesus Christ a game that is bigger than a game it will have eternal ramifications and we are it we are his plan his power working through us do you feel the uh, <laughs> the excitement the great expectation but also a little bit of nervousness like, tighten up that life preserver. Here we go. And I can't wait um, to, to journey on into this coming year together with you for his glory. So three uh, questions just to think through as we apply this to our lives and encourage you as you think about how to live this out. First one is, am I seeing it? Am I, am I seeing a new way of life? This is a new way of life. And are one of these do I need to, to refocus on today? Question two. Am I praying this? And what a great prayer to pray over our own lives, over the lives of those we love. And then third, am I living this? Am I pursuing faith and love? The Lord is my treasure to know him better. Seeking to live full of hope, joyful in hope, I'm relying on his power, and then playing my part in the body of Christ. So back to the golf course. Imagine that uh, we get to the final hole, and we are, it's game on the line. If, if we make this putt, we win this tournament. And so... We're all looking at Rob, and we're like, Rob, are you seeing something? And unfortunately, he has a sad look on his face, and he's like, no. And we're like, ah, but as we look at him, we notice his sunglasses are all smudged after this battle of golf. And we're like, one of, one of the guys like, man, I got you, Rob. Give me your glasses. And he pulls out his handy-dandy microfiber, high-power cloth, and he takes Rob's glasses, and he Puts him back on Rob, and he's like, big smile, I see something. And he drains the putt, and we win. That's, that's fiction, didn't happen. <laughs> but here's the thing, in the game of life, in the big picture, life has a way of smudging our perspective, doesn't it? We live down here, we live on the earth. But God in his word, it's like he, he takes through his word the microfiber cloth, and he cleans our perspective, cleans our glasses, our lens through which we see life. And when we see who we are and what he's called us to do clearly, it stokes in us a passion to go live it out. 
Today we want to give, um, as we start this ministry year, each one of you this gift, but hopefully it's, it's more than just, and it is a good microfiber cloth. Thank you, Abby Bickle, for ordering these and designing these. But hopefully as you clean your glasses, clean your phone, clean your computer screen, you're also thinking, all right, Lord, renew my passion to be your church. Help me see who it is I am as your child, who we are as your people, and the calling that you've called us to. And so the question today, are you seeing it? Our aim is to grow in faith and love. Our treasure is to know him. Our hope is this beautiful future that he has prepared for us. Our power is the resurrection power and the ascension power of Jesus Christ. Our identity, we are the body of Christ, his presence in this time and place. Let's be his church. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us today that just cleans the lens of our perspective, helping us see clearly with the eyes of faith all that you have given us. And Lord, we just praise you for who we are in Christ. Thank you for your grace that that has enabled us to know you, to call you Father. And Jesus, thank you for the calling that you've given us that we get to uh, just be your body, be your presence in this broken world for your glory. Lord, we fixed our eyes on home. We can't wait to be with you. But in the meantime, we pray that you would help us to be faithful. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.